What if all you needed to get better in every way was available at the touch of a hand or the sound of a voice or even a vibration? Let's talk about how that happens, who can do it, and where to find them. I'm John Webster, and this is The Hesitant Healer. Greetings and welcome to The Hesitant Healer. I'm John Webster. And I'm Lisa. That's Lisa Kay, and we're here to talk more about healing. So, uh, at the very end of the last one, we were still in San Francisco at the end of a three-week dissection with Gil Headley, and uh, it lit my world on fire, and I learned a lot. Uh, here's here's uh, another thing that happened, and this is probably day maybe three, right? I had just done this fantastic thing where I had taken entire uh, me uh, and the team I was with uh, were allowed to take the whole adipose layer off in one full skin, if you will. And uh, I was feeling pretty proud of myself and, and a little high on the hog. And then we get into some deep, uh, I think we had flipped the cadaver over and we were doing some deep neck stuff. And people started talking about stars, the stars. On the back of the neck, there is a series of five different muscles that make a star. And apparently in the body, there were other places where this happens. And they were naming these muscles, and I'd never heard of these muscles. And I've been doing this shit for 10 years, right? And it made me feel so small and so inadequate. And I'm right back to that, that anatomy test that I failed again. And I felt it was imposter syndrome. Do I even belong here? Right? Well, I, I, I don't even know this stuff. And these people are, are dissecting these muscles I've never, not only never seen, never heard of. Right? It was a humbling moment because you cannot learn enough about this stuff. Even people who have done this all their lives still find things in these bodies that they've never seen before. It's a never-ending story. So, I just remember being humbled to the point of, I'm going to stand back and just not do anything for a bit. I just need to watch and, and get some reverence for some other people and really dig into my head that I don't know shit. I, I need to learn more, right? And at times when I've had these issues in my life, I have come to terms with the fact that I'm not going to like this so much that I'm going to learn everything about it so I can be better at it. And these have been primary learning motivators for me all my life, and this was certainly one of them. I'm going to learn as much about anatomy as I can, right? So that uh, that motivated me to look and learn. One of the cool things that we did, because I was not the only energetic healer person in there and not the only body worker person that was in there, but I'm curious... If I put hands on this dead body, can I feel energy, right? And I found another guy and another girl who did the kind of work, and we kind of had the same ideas. And, and layer by layer by layer in this particular class, we touched through skin, we touched through adipose, we touched through nerve, we touched through muscle, we touched through bone. And surprising to me, muscle was the least conduitive is that a word, Lisa? Conductive. Uh, conductive. Okay. But it was very, very uh, That was a good original. try, right? Was, yes. A valiant effort on my part. Mm -hmm. um, muscle was the least conductive material in a body, which in massage school is not what they teach you, right? But we got more energy between the skin of a cadaver 
and the adipose layer of a cadaver and nerve trails of this cadaver and even the bone of this cadaver than we did in touching muscle and trying to connect energetically. What's that about, right? That was that was an interesting thing. And I'm just going to leave that there, right? I invite you to do your own energetic prep and responses and testing yourself, right? Do it on live, people. It's interesting. So uh, in this class, one of the uh, biggest assistants there was a guy named Julian Baker. Julian Baker was an Englishman uh, with a wicked sense of humor. So wicked that I cannot tell you on this platform, any of the jokes that we exchanged. I understand I came from, from cop land and he came from cadaver land. And so Gallo's humor is the nicest way to explain the type of humor we were exchanging. But we got each other a lot quickly and deeply and it was, it was good. Now, Julian Baker is a guy who, like me, used to be a chef. So we had a lot of things in common in the way that we viewed stuff. The difference was Julian had been doing this for a very long time, and he was way more advanced uh, anatomically, educationally than I was. And uh, there's a thing called the Bowen Technique. Now, the Bowen Technique... I won't even begin to try and explain what it is, but it is a technique that's out there primarily in England and Europe. They use it a lot more. There are Bowen therapists here in America. But if you were to go and buy a book on the Bowen technique, you will note that the author's name is Julian Baker. This son of a bitch wrote a book. I'm like, dang, and he's funny too, right? <laughs> but we got along. we got along well. And, uh, and we kept in touch, as did all of the people, uh, I'll say 80% of the people in that class. We have all kept in touch and risen educationally to the same level all these years later. And now let me tell you, these people are doing things at a global level that have to do with healing and anatomy and making people better and, and bringing education to the public, right? And I know them. I'm, I'm very honored and grateful to know them and have worked with them. And they know me. It's weird, right? But to come from the humbling of not knowing that that muscle existed and almost being in tears to being one degree of separation away from the greatest anatomists in the world, no exaggeration, I am humbled by the fact that somehow I've stumbled into this and this is what I do, right? So I went back to work uh, at the sheriff department. This was 2014. Uh, I interviewed for another job with a captain who worked for the coroner's office. When I told him all about this class, he said, hang on a minute, I may have a position for you, but not the one I'm looking for, so I'll call you. He called me a year later, and he stole me away from that position to the coroner's office for San Bernardino County, the biggest county in the United States. Uh, we do roughly nine to 10,000 people a year. Now, real quick, when it comes to uh, the coroner's office in a county that has a sheriff department, uh, there is a thing called reportables. I may I may miss one or two here, but there are like seven reportables of why a body would go to 
the coroner. Suicide, homicide, car accident, industrial accident, uh, unknown origin or unnatural death, like you died in your house and you weren't under, under any medical concern. Um, Six. Oh, I'm doing so good. I'm sure I'm missing a big one. Uh, but what if they just find a body? Out? Yeah, yeah, like that. That's yeah. like like an unknown unknown death. Okay. Um, and so you know, I mean, if you die of natural causes, if you're under a doctor's care, if you have known cancer, if you die in a hospital, all of those things, um, you're going to go to the morgue in the hospital, and you're going to get picked up there. But if you if they don't know what killed you, or they do know what killed you, and it was another person or yourself, uh, then you're going to go to the coroner's office and the coroner determines cause of death, right? So if you're a CHP officer and you got a body in the middle of the desert that's been decapitated, even though you know the cause of death, you're still going to the coroner because the coroner gets to determine what that cause of death is. The police departments and the ambulances and all the people you see on TV do not determine cause of death. The coroner does, right? And in San Bernardino County, the head guy is the chief pathologist. Now, you can either have a chief pathologist or a medical examiner. And if it's a medical examiner, it has to be a doctor. I believe a chief pathologist does too, but it's a voted... Uh, it could be a voted on position in san Bernardino county the sheriff department absorbed the coroner's office so it did not have to be a voted position what they do is call the sheriff the sheriff coroner with a slash right but the guy that runs the actual um morgue is the chief pathologist so the chief pathologist makes a determination about cause of death right and he's a super and very educated man who can look at uh, these cases and make those determinations. Uh, they're also going to go to court, right? So there's a chief pathologist, but there's also several other pathologists that do these uh, autopsies. And then there's various helpers in uh, there's autopsy assistants and whatnot in the, in the morgue that also do these autopsies. When they do these autopsies, uh, it's not, a lot like TV. There's no microphones where they're talking to the microphones and, and doing thing by thing, but they are taking notes. Uh, and the the harder the case, for instance, if it's a homicide, it's like a prioritized case because uh, you're going to go to court for that, right? So every single mark, every single bullet wound, every single scalpel cut, everything you do to that body has to be documented. And that's what a pathologist does, right? If it's a car accident and has a broken neck, um, they have to examine the body and see where the neck was broken, and, and that goes in the report, right? And that's what ends up being the cause of death and then the death certificate that follows. Um, when you're doing 10,000 bodies a year, 9,000 bodies a year, you can get a little backed up, right? And depending on the weather, depending on... Uh, the circumstances, if there's a, uh, in 2017, we had the, no, 2015, 20. we had the terrorist attacks. Oh, 15. And, and that was, uh, there were 14 bodies, right? All at once, which has 
FBI in there, in addition to all the police officers and everybody else, and and uh, you know, bodies got backed up for a while. That that kind of thing during COVID. I wasn't there, but I hear that. Uh, they were backed up hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, right? And and uh, it can get kind of messy. Anyway, I digress. Uh, met Julian Baker. I left Chino Hills and I went to the, the coroner's office. And from the coroner's office, I was working quite happily doing that kind of work. And I got to be in the morgue every day. And I got to see a lot of these autopsies. autopsies and I got to see uh, the business of death. And I got to see... Um, Different cadavers than the one I had seen in the 2014 cadaver lab. Um, these bodies were freshly dead, like they just died yesterday, or they were just killed yesterday, or there was an investigation yesterday, or they just got unburied yesterday. And so you see a lot of different tissue malfunctions, tissue differences in, uh, in the different causes of death, which is very interesting to a guy like me who was working on his career in, in bodies. Now, I was not allowed to dig into them. I was not allowed to touch. I was not allowed to do anything other than observe, but uh, some of these pathologists were very uh, gracious to me and allowed me to observe when I wasn't doing other work. And, uh, and I also got to go on search and rescues and, and look for bones in the desert because that was my, my primary job anyway. And I also got to read a lot of old reports from uh, deaths that had happened over the years because part of what I did in the missing and unidentified division was go through some of these old cases that went back literally 100 years. Right, a body thrown off the train tracks in 1896. Right, in Barstow, that kind of stuff. Right, and and we because they're open cases, we have to carry that paperwork, even though they'll never be solved. You still have to carry the paperwork. Right, so fascinating, fascinating stuff. Right, or missing and unidentified. Um, where they find one and they, they put together a 30-year case and, and they're able to identify because a family member had uplinked their stuff into DNA hmm. National Data Bank and, and all of a sudden a hit comes up, right? I mean, it's super cool stuff. And again, that's not really what we're talking about here. So, um, at that time, Julian came to America to teach a Bowen class in LA. So, I went to go see him. And we hung out, and we were having drinks and dinner, and my wife was with me, and he says, I'm teaching a class next year in 2017. You should come. I'll give you a good deal. And my wife said, yes. And I'm like, well, he goes, just come. My wife goes, yes. Scotland, yes. St. Andrews, Scotland, yes. So we hatched a plan. He was doing a 10-day dissection. Uh and it also coincided with my 20th year with the sheriff department, and I got to retire and go to this class. Actually, I went to this class and never went back to work because I retired from there, right? Coincidentally, at the same time, Lisa Kay and I had started doing some things together in the world of business, and she had started running numbers, and she presented me with numbers of what it would look like if I stopped working for the sheriff's department and doing 15 massages a week out of my house and just opened up a shop and did massages only for a living, and it was pretty much 30 less hours a week. $3,000, three, no, $30,000 a year more, $30,000 a year more, and uh, a lot less headaches because I didn't work for the county anymore. You did that, right? I did. 
And she's like, you need to quit. I'm like, why am I working anymore, right? And my wife said, you can quit. So after 20 years, I, I left the sheriff's department. I left the county. And we went to, uh, we went to St. Andrews. And, and Julian runs his dissections a little bit different than Gil does, right? Gil is more of a, a, hey, let's look at this and what do you think and make your own conclusions and explore and, and learn and go find and what do you think about that? And, and, and there's a lot of poetry and the poetry of the body and the poetry of life and a lot of, a lot of spirituality and a lot of um, how do you feel and how do you think about that, right? They're beautiful and wonderful classes. Julian is an anatomist and uh, and doesn't do poetry and doesn't do poetry and uh, he doesn't pull punches either and if you say something that's not right he'll say bullshit in a crowded room right he'll call it like it is um, but the way that he teaches worked for me and uh, and it made a lot of sense and so in that class there were I want to say seven bodies. There were three to us, to three of us to a table, and we got to do some examinations of some really cool stuff there, right? And and through different teachings in a different way, so you you still get to work on bodies, but you also got to to hear, uh, in his case, a more scientific approach. He's a very scientific, specifically scientific guy, and everything that you get in that anatomy class is going to be on point in the world of science and anatomy, right? In those classes, and and he he's also very pragmatic, right? And I'll give you I'll give you for instance, because he likes to call therapists out, massage therapists specifically, <laughs> on. I right, come over here, Webster, Webster, come over here, touch the psoas, and I'm looking at a cadaver that hasn't been touched yet, and I'm like, what? He goes, you you massage therapists are good at touching the psoas. Show me how you touch the psoas. And I go in to touch the psoas on this cadaver like I would a live body, and he screams bullshit. He's like, you're not touching nothing. You're touching skin. There's no psoas here. And as we go down through the layers by layer from skin to superficial fascia to adipose to deep fascia to stomach muscles to all the guts that take you down in between until you get to the psoas, which is all the way down by the spine. And when he gets you there, he's like, Webster, come back and show me how you touch the psoas because you're not even close, right? But he gets you thinking, right? I mean, in, in massage school, we're going we're gonna to release the psoas. In Julian's class, you're not going to release shit. Because that's not the way that the body is designed. It, it, he's not wrong, right? It's it's a little bit different verbiage, and he's pra practical and pragmatic about the way that he approaches how we're going to do this work on these bodies through using a cadaver, because you have to be able to see the layers that you're going through. And the reality is, I can't release a psoas. If the psoas is in spasm... I'm going to touch about 15 to 20 layers of stuff and kind of 
interact with the psoas to the best of my ability, but I have to understand the other 15 layers. And here's where dissection class becomes a healing entity. By doing that, by seeing those layers, by having been in those layers, by understanding the connecting of the connective tissues of the various layers from the outside of the skin all the way down to where the psoas connects and is being strummed like a guitar string so that this person is bent over and can't move, I now have the knowledge of understanding that if I move this nerve and manipulate this layer and gently slide and glide layers 12 through 15, I can help aid the nerve that is interacting to make that so as strum like a guitar string. And what I can do is alleviate some of the pressure by understanding the story of how this person got there in the first place. And then I can use a word that the client understands and say, hey, I just released your psoas. Fuck <laughs> you, Julian. <laughs> so we're both right. He's probably more writer, and he will tell you if you ask him. But here's, the, here's what I like about Jules's classes, right? You get challenged. Nothing you know is true. Everything you've been taught in massage school, Pilates class, yoga class, anatomy class up until this point when you meet Julian Baker is a lie. Because he's going to show you how it's not what they say. And you need to use your words carefully. He can also show you how your head is connected to your asshole. <laughs> and, and he can dissect all the points and grab a piece of tissue that goes directly from the back of your head all the way down to your asshole. Right? Those are kind of cool when you see them. Right? When you start to understand the kinetic chain of how we touch and what it's what it's attached to if you go back to the last episode where i was talking about touching the shoulder and the and the right hip flares up and says i need to work on that through these dissection classes you can actually see the physical parts of what's whispering to you in that body and so i found them to be critical in the assessment and the healing of the human form by learning more and more and more as I got into each one of these bodies. Lisa. So one thing that impressed me about Julian um, is, you know, we talked about how uh, in anatomy or biology or physiology or whatever class you may take that there are these really pretty pictures of muscles and they're beautiful and they are uh, succinct and um, uh, well-defined and that's where they are. Uh, one of the things that Julian likes to talk about, um, and he will, he calls John the Ice Man because at one point in John's career, he carved ice. And uh, Julian, the story goes, <laughs> Julian asked him one day, "You got a big block of ice. How do you make a swan out of that?" And I said, "You just carve out everything that doesn't look like a swan." There you go. And he had an aha moment, which he will not shut up about every time he talks because he mentions me quite a bit. And if you've ever heard any of his speeches, I am the Iceman. It has been let out of the box, Jules. I'm sorry. But, but he's not wrong. 
And what he likes to talk about when we're doing dissections, and he'll get a whole group of people around, and we'll look at a, at, a, at the trapezius or the lats, the latissimus dorsi, and, and we'll pull the books out, and, or we'll look at the, the, the big poster on the wall that's got the, the red man of muscle in the, the anatomical uh, da Vinci pose, and he'll say, go ahead and find that for me. Make that look like that, right? So we do that. We we cut and 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 scissor and and remove and we get the the latissimus dorsi and the the trapezius to look exactly like the muscle chart. And then his point is, you know, if this were alive, it wouldn't move because you've removed a lot of stuff that it needs to function. In fact, his whole company is named Functional Anatomy. That's his whole thing. It's function. Right? It's not just anatomy. It's all connected, kids. It's all connected. There is nothing inside your body that is not connected to some other part of your body. And when you start cutting body parts out, when you start manipulating body parts, when you have surgical movement inside the body, something's going to change and it's going to be different. Take Lisa Kay's story, for instance, right? And and that's kind of what got me into the biz of trying to heal and understand and fix this stuff physiologically. And his whole point is, although we can dissect to make it look like the picture, it's not reality, right? Because if you remove all that, that fascia, all that connective tissue, that thing's not going to move. You can't move it anymore, right? So if I'm back to a live human and I want to work on that part and I have a frozen shoulder... And one of the favorite things he likes to say is dead people don't have frozen shoulders, right? It's why one of the procedures for fixing a frozen shoulder in Western medicine is to knock them out and just move it, mm-hmm. right? Work out all the crispy crunchies that have gotten in there from non-movement, right? Because when your brain's not involved, the muscles don't engage. They're not stuck anymore. What's stuck is a pain signaling mechanism within those structures of the shoulder which allow it to shut itself down because it thinks it's in danger. And then eventually there's so many different muscles in that area that they just get stuck. And one by one, we have to unlock them as, as manual therapists, right? Or as, as yoga therapists or Pilates therapists or Bowen therapists or whatever, mechanical link, right? We'll put his name in the liner notes because you don't want to miss out on Julian. He's a hoot. I, I love his talks. I love the way he does. Uh, we've done business with him for a number of years now. We've brought him to America and done dissection classes. I've, I've been in a lab with him for a month at a time where we did several different bodies. I've learned a ton of stuff from him and uh, things I didn't even want to learn. <laughs> and, and he's made me learn them, like the portal triad, which... If Go ahead. If you no, I'm not saying it. You're gonna. <laughs> if you want to know what the portal triad is, next time you meet me, ask me. I will tell you. Otherwise, go learn it yourself. But I, I show you where it is, and I know where it's at. Right. Um. Let me talk a little bit about some other people that have uh, I have worked with and done dissection classes with, because I want to get them in. And maybe this episode might be a little shorter than usual, but uh, it's just a part two. Uh, one of the great people that we came across who is a, a dynamo in the world of anatomy and the world of um, fascia. Uh, I'll say fascia, but I also want to say the uh, the bodies in motion 
tour those those plasticized bodies she was a a primary go-getter in uh this freya which was a a plasticization of just the human form and its fascia which came out last year fr i think there's an umlaut and then it's eia and uh, she was an integral part of that. She's down in San Diego, and she has anatomy classes that she teaches on a regular basis. And her uh, her website is anatomyscapes.com. And she does some wonderful uh, things, especially, I would think, for massage therapists. She has, like, monthly... Uh, kind of sort of um, subscription service where they'll go over a new part or a new idea or a new concept every month and in a very entertaining way um, it's it's user friendly and uh, a great idea and she's a great person as well there is uh, her name is Ra- Rochelle Clausen Rochelle Clausen one of my friends Fauna Moore who is no longer associated with it but there is a a teaching anatomy lab in North Carolina which you can look up I, I'm sorry the name escapes me right now we, we'll see if we can get that in the line of notes but they have uh, one day classes and couple hour classes and, and lots of uh, things anatomy and geek anatomy and they also have some plasticized body parts that you can see which are very interesting so if you're on the east coast that's a, a place to go look um, the Upledger Institute does uh, I think they do one a year maybe two a year uh, Eric Moya teaches those. He was one of my teachers of, of cranial sacral therapy. I I believe last time they did one, it was further inland, maybe even on the East Coast, but he was doing some here on the West Coast too. They do it specifically for cranial sacral therapy, and I have not done that class, so I can't be an expert on telling you what's in that, but I'm pretty sure they do a lot of the spine and the brain and the meninges and don't get as much into uh, blood and guts and tissue as as some of these anatomy classes that I'm talking about now. And then last but not least, we were loosely affiliated for a while with a, uh, a wonderful little lab in Colorado Springs, Colorado called the Institute for Anatomical Research which was founded by Bonnie Thompson. She's not as much in the day-to-day now. And now Jim Polciani does the day-to-day, and it's also the, the lab where Gil is doing his, uh, his nerve project and is doing all of his classes now. When I first met Gil, when I did that class in, uh, in 2014, he was working on both sides of the United States. He was using a lab in uh, San Francisco and a, a lab in New Jersey. And now he does all of his classes at the Institute of Anatomical Research in uh, Colorado Springs. And some of my friends have done some dissection classes there too. If you are interested in in any kind of anatomy class, I would start there because they're they're doing the most and they're doing some of the best. Last year, uh, the last class I went to there was with uh, the brilliant anatomist Carla Stecco. Carla Stecco is Italian, very Italian, and she does anatomy classes in Italy she does anatomy research in Italy with her brother, and uh, she is at the top of the heap with a guy named Robert Schleip, who is German, and those three people are, are some of the biggest anatomy researchers in the world. I have had the pleasure and the honor and great fortune of being in their classes and working one-on-one with them and, and knowing them and speaking with them. Uh, I'll, I'll add one more guy here because it was uh, it was a, a another critical piece of 
information that I got. Uh, I think Gil Headley is the first guy that told me about this. His name is Jean-Pierre Gimbarteau, and he has a, a video on the internet called Strolling Under the Skin. He's also got a book out. But if you want to learn about fascia, go to YouTube and look up Strolling Under the Skin and get the uh, the English version because he's a French guy and it will show you fascia at a level that you have never seen before, right? Uh, one of the great things about Julian's classes is that he has a... Uh, a microscope camera that we were able to look at fascia at a microscopic level up on a big screen tv and uh as pretty interesting stuff so those are all the big hitters in the world of of anatomy and fascia and dissection classes uh i will find a way to put on these liner notes all of this information uh maybe what we'll do is post this on the facebook website lisa that's why we have a facebook website that is why we so have if one. you're listening to this please go to the facebook website too what i want you to do is like and subscribe to the podcast here if you are a massage therapist or no massage therapists who are interested in any of this stuff uh go tell them to start listening to this go look up all these people i'm mentioning sign up on the facebook website and become a web book a facebook website friend mm -hmm. and uh let's get the word out to not just me but all these other anatomists and fascia people and body workers because without them i would not be where i am today speaking of when i went to the carlos deco class last year I found myself not only standing around a bit more than usual because I wanted the newbies to be able to experience what I have experienced, uh, but I also found that I was fielding a lot of questions from the newbies and that I actually knew the answers. And a funny thing has happened in the last four or five years, and that is just about every class I've gone to, I'm coming out of there going, I kind of already knew that. And it's at that juncture that someone should start to teach and it's been gnawing at me for a while and i i feel ready to do so so we have a lab that we use in las vegas nevada and i have decided that i am going to teach my very first dissection class in october october of this year 2023 in las vegas nevada and it has We'll start with seven, but I can have up to 14 participants. It's going to be 2500 bucks with a 500 non-refundable deposit down because we talked about these classes. This is not a profit thing. This is a this is how we function thing. Without the money, we can't purchase a cadaver and the hotel room we're going to be in and, and, and pay for all the parts that we need to make this work. But beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada has a ton of things to do and see in addition to the class that we're going to be doing. We're talking about going to the Bodies in Motion tour that's down the street at uh, the Luxor. Mm -hmm. It's easy to fly into. It's easy to fly out of. Uh, there's going to be a number of us that might even get an Airbnb. Uh, hotels are relatively cheap around the area that we're going to be. And I would highly recommend it. And I'm gearing this dissection class two massage therapists so my bend on this different from gil different from julian is that what i want to show is what i've learned 
in a dissection class that I use on a regular basis in my massages and in my healing modalities, right? How I found point A to point B and how I would use that on a real body. So we will also probably put up a a uh, massage table in the room and have bodies, if not each other, to work on and look at the cadaver and touch a live body and talk about modalities in conjunction with the cadaver that we're looking at. So when we hear uh, Julian talk about how you can't touch the psoas, we're going to actually do a psoas release technique, and then we'll look at the different things that we can get into, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a little bit different and a little nuanced enough for massage therapists and Pilates and, and yoga and body workers to be able to come in and do this thing. 2500 bucks is a good price. Uh, we got plenty of time to start banking payments on that, and we will put all that information up on the website once this launches, which should be five weeks from now, six weeks from now. We may even put it up early, and early, you'll yes. you'll hear about this, and it'll already be on the website. So thank you for listening today. Wait, I, let me let me wrap wait, up. Wait, Lisa's got a good story. Sorry, go. So, uh, our corporation uh, started a long time ago, but one of the things that we decided that we were going to do is sponsor Julian to come over and run a class for us. And John and I had gone to check out this lab, and I come from the world of, um, I think we talked about it, I was a... Uh, I was a Bible college major, and I also uh, was an education major. I did not come to this job with a, a huge amount of bodywork kind of uh, education. So, we walked into this lab for the very first time, and um, I'd never been around a cadaver. And unbeknownst to me, while we walked in, they had been working and, and uh, there was a cadaver that normally you would cover it up, but they had just been working and so it was uncovered and and I was not sure what my reaction was going to be. Um, a lot of times we'll talk about dissection and people get like, ew, uh, uh, you know, um, there's a thing that I learned when I was in Bible college to be absent from the body. So the moment of death is to be present with the spirit, right? So you're no longer here. That you part of you that is deep down, whatever you want to call it, soul, universe, goddess, whatever you want to call it, when you pass away, it's not in that body anymore. It's like touching this table. It's like touching a piece of plastic because that's what's left. So the the gross part of it um, really isn't gross. It's just like looking at another teaching tool. And uh, the thankfulness that we have to these, these people who, while they were alive, made a conscious choice to become a tool, to become a teacher, um, to us is is humbling and amazing. So those of you who have a lot of hesitation about being around cadavers, um, let me encourage you. It is uh, it is probably one of the most fascinating experiences. Now I don't I don't cut. I I uh, I am there to assist while we're in the room. Um, but it has been the, one of the most fascinating things that I've ever seen personally. Um, let me encourage you that. Uh, and John would say this as well, the things that you've been touching on the outside of a body when you can see where they are on the inside, oh my God, it's going to light your world up. So let me encourage you, 
if there's a way for you to get to our class or anyone's class, go, go, go. You know, sell your firstborn if you have to. Um, no, no, don't do that. No? Okay. All right. Don't do that. <laughs> but, but it's not gross. It's not morbid. It's not weird. It's, it's uh, uh, the most fascinating teaching experience that you will ever be a part of. Thanks for that, Lisa. That makes a lot of sense. I, I, it's not something that I was privy to and didn't understand, but she certainly got it at her level when she did that. And that's pretty much all we got today. Appreciate you guys uh, listening to us. Have a good day. And remember to... What do we want them to remember? Be good humans. Be good humans. Bye. Bye.